Welcome. I am a small, fuzzy, middle-aged woman, unexpectedly named Turl Kronberg. And in the very front of my brain, I have an exceptional little bit that I call the wise turtle. She is the most thoughtful, observant, and compassionate part of me. And this podcast is her platform for speaking to the world. Her aim is to try to understand the patterns of growth in the universe and use those discoveries to help us all uncover the most important, inspiring story of who we are and where we want to go as Earthlings. I hope that you enjoy her musings. Namaste. always thinking that. Your brain is always looking out at the world and taking in the information and saying, what's the problem here? How can I solve this? Because there's always a disconnect between what we want, the reality that we are aiming for, and the reality that is. The current state of things versus the future state of things. At least, if we're alive, we have this. If, if we're not alive, then, you know, the, the floor is not thinking about a current state of the floor. It doesn't have a goal state other than uh, to, be, to continue being the floor, <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, There's a word that I can never remember. It's 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 the uh, it's the thing that keeps things that that you know. It's the physics term that says that once an object in motion tends to stay in motion, an object at rest tends to stay at rest. Um, and I can never moment, not momentum. Nope. I can never think of that word when I'm trying to think of it, and so I never end up using it, even though it's a lovely word. Um, but anyway, I'm sure you're saying it right now in your head, and uh, I'm sure after I do this, I'll think of it. Maybe by the end of it, I'll think of it. Um, but no, it, it, I usually have a hard time getting to that word. Um, but anyway, if we're alive, if there is life there, and even if even in some edge cases where there isn't life, like a computer program has a goal, um, a goal state, and that's because we we use uh, I guess potential energy to input information into a computer in a way that uh, that it it's seeking a state a final state. Um, although I don't know enough about the actual atomic structure of computers to to say why that works. Um, but if we're alive, we definitely have um, a a state in our bodies that wants to do something. That is, that is what life is programmed to do. The, the proteins and molecules are, are constantly 
um, being pushed by some sort of mechanical function in the proteins and the molecules and the chemistry um, that that sort of like a battery um, where it wants to you know some some bits of the body want to move to other bits of the body or want to go somewhere and do something anyway um, so our brains are constantly aware of this in some bottom-up kind of way, sort of emergent consciousness of the state of the body uh, as it relates to where it wants to be. Um, and this is based on a whole lot of stuff, and I'm not going to go into it because I don't actually know much of it, but it's sort of irrelevant to the idea that there is always a, a disconnect or a, a discrepancy between the the state that something is in and the state that it wants to be in within our bodies. Um, and then we can represent other states of things within our bodies as well so that we can sort of become larger beings. That's what um, emotions and intellectual and philosophical uh, brain states or you know, brain functions allow us to do. We, that we take in other individuals um, goal states, current states and goal states, to some extent. I mean, obviously, we're, we're not 100% copying them, but we're modeling them in some, you know, hopefully useful way. So there's always this question in the mind of what is the problem? And one thing that I do uh, sometimes is to say, who haven't you asked? When you're having a problem that's sort of a, a long-lasting problem that's sort of, you know, causing you frustration. And a big part of that is because you're lacking some knowledge. You're lacking some perspective on the problem. So, for example, if you're trying to go forward and there's a roadblock, um, something in, in your path, you're trying to move forward and there's, you know, a chair in the way, or there's a car in the way, or there's a tree in the way, or there's a tiger in the way, you know, there's there's something that you're not getting a perspective on because you you ha you had only the perspective of going forward, you had this, this linear perspective of I am here and I want to move over there and there's a straight line in between and that was how I was planning on going. but suddenly there's something in the way and we see that as being in the way because uh, we're thinking one-dimensionally. We were thinking in a straight line uh, from a, point A to point B. But the perspective that we need now in order to still get to point B is to is the perspective of something that's on a different you know axis, a different dimension that would say, oh, there's a path over to the left, you know, that you can go around it, or there's an opening over to the right, or there's an opening underneath, there's a tunnel you can go under, or a bridge that goes above this space, or whatever. Um, and so adding these other perspectives, asking ourselves, who haven't we asked when there's a big problem means that we're looking for somebody else's perspective on the matter. We're looking to see uh, if someone else 
can see a way to do something that we can't because of our perspective, our limited perspective, you know. And I'm, when I say one-dimensional um, or two-dimensionals or something in the brain, I'm, I'm not meaning that in a, a physical sense. I'm meaning that in a, a modeling sense, that uh, each model is of a, of a direction from point A to point B is one dimension. It, it's technically more of a vector, I suppose, but um, I just call it a dimension because most people understand the word dimension better than they understand the word vector. Um, although vectors are cool, it's basically an arrow. It's a starting point and, an, and it just keeps going in one direction. Uh, uh, but so I don't, I don't mean a physical one dimensionality necessarily. I mean a model, a single perspective model of point A to point B is a straight line. And so adding these perspectives, who haven't you asked? Um, and now a lot of people forget that, well, many, many people look for consensus. They look for agreement um, when they're trying to solve a problem. They want to know what the one single solution is that everybody agrees is the single correct right solution. But of course that doesn't, that doesn't work in reality because it depends very much on the situation. Each situation has very different parameters to it, very different factors, um, even if they're very minute, you know, down to molecular stuff, down to chemicals and the interactions between them. Um, so even even in the simplest of matters, there are, there is rarely just a single solution. There are almost always multiple solutions, and some work better than others, obviously. Um, so when we we look for these solutions and we look for these perspectives of who to ask, we sometimes forget that. Um, if we're asking very similar people, we're going to get very similar perspectives. And if they all tend to agree that their perspective is the correct one, that their solution is the correct one, but it's not working, then we need to look for something a very different, a perpendicular perspective. Um, again, I use the model of, you know, sort of a cube kind of Cartesian graph of, you know, dimensions. But the dimensions I'm speaking of are, are definitely more sort of open-ended weird dimensions of thought and uh, modeling in sort of intellectual senses, but they're still, it's still useful to talk about them in this simplistic Cartesian kind of way. So you want, you want a, a perspective that's perpendicular to the one that you already have, which means it's going to be very different and it's not going to be something that people agree on. It's going to be something that's that people are going to come in conflict with but just as saying there are two sides of the same coin or there are six sides of a die um, each perspective looks at things from a different direction and thus gives you more information so it's not subtractive it's not competitive it's actually additive um, you're, you're adding dimensions to your perspective when you take on somebody who disagrees with you. Now, of course, there are positions that are perspectives that are, are just low quality. Um, for example, if I'm, if I've got my eyes closed and I'm trying to describe the tree that's over there that I'm not touching and I'm not hearing, um, 
I'm going to do a really poor job of describing this tree uh, in any particular detail um, if if I'm not looking at it. Now I can you know I can have a vague memory of it you know if I've seen it before, uh, but there are obviously low quality perspectives, and it's not that the perspective itself is low quality. Um, because you know, from where I'm sitting, I can see the tree pretty well. But if my eyes are closed, then my perspective is going to be diminished. <laughs> my, my, my usefulness of the descriptions that I offer are not going to be so helpful. So that's separate from the disagreement or the conflict of descriptions. So someone who's looking at the tree from the top of the tree is going to give a very different description of it than me looking at it from the side of the tree. Um, and from a bug's perspective inside the tree, you know, nibbling on the tree, very close up, is going to give a very different perspective. And they're going to disagree. They're going to be very, you know, conflicting, uh, at least superficially conflicting descriptions. But they're still correct. They're still equally valuable. They're still equally high quality. Uh, you know, if we are, if it is a high quality observation. So, so the conflict is not so much a problem. At least superficial conflict is not a problem because it's additive. Um, you can add the the different descriptions together. You know, just like the story, the classic story of the blind man and the elephant. Each one is touching a different part, and so has a different experience of the elephant. And you have to put them all together, even if they seem to disagree superficially. Um, an elephant is not a snake. An elephant is not a tree. Um, but elephant parts of the elephant are like a snake and parts of the elephant are like a tree and you add them all together and you get elephantness. Um, so yeah, so be careful of, of being worried about conflict, um, that it is conflict, real conflict uh, has more to do with the quality of the description or the miscommunication um, you know, when you're hearing a description and you're you're thinking different things, you're getting different visions from the words that are being described or whatever. So the, the conflict may actually just be a misunderstanding or just a miscommunication or low quality of the information. Um, but the fact that they're different descriptions is not, does not mean that they're conflicting, does not mean that they're either one is wrong. They can both be equally valuable um, and equally, quote, correct, or equally high quality, I think that's a better term than correct, um, because nothing is ever perfectly pure. There's no, I mean, the only thing that is exactly descriptive of the tree is the tree itself, and if we are not the tree, then we can never know exactly what the tree is like. Um, so anyway, okay, so we've, we've gone through there that we've, we've, seen that we want to add new perspectives and that just because perspectives are very different is not a bad thing. In fact, it is a very good thing if you're having, if you're struggling with a solution, with a problem and trying to find the solution of getting from point A to point B. And there's obviously the way that you're trying to do it isn't working. Um, so I broke this down. Um, I was at a, a discussion yesterday, a, a presentation at the MIT Media Lab, which um, the presenters were fantastic. The moderator was was less useful, um, but the presenters were very interesting and, and had uh, some new perspectives that I hadn't heard before. And I initially was a little 
because they weren't very much like me. I was, I had that initial conflicting, like, these people are different than me, and they, they're not going to say the same thing as me, and, and uh, so I was a little flustered. Um, even me, you know, even the person who has a very open mind and loves new ideas, um, you know, there's, there's still that sort of defensiveness of my approach is better. Um, but in in listening to them, I was uh, I was inspired, and and thought they had some very interesting things to say, and so in reacting to that, um, I came up with uh, some a very simple sort of description of the different kinds of questions that each of the that are that are in, they're all necessary for finding a solution in uh, in, a, in a holistic, uh, multi-dimensional way. Um, I mean, we can have, we can be very lucky in uh, using one approach, a single perspective. You know, like I said, if, if we're going to from point A to point B and there's nothing in the way, you know, we're fine. We're good. That perspective of the one-dimensional perspective is great. Um, but most of the time we're not so lucky, um, and in, especially in longer term problems of getting from, you know, getting from childhood to adulthood, you know, moderately intact as an individual and uh, without harming other people too dangerously, you know, that's a longer term problem that we're trying to solve and, uh, and we need multiple perspectives for that. You know, we're not born with a perspective of knowing everything that we need to get from here to there in a long-term way. Um, we need other people's in information to get there. And, and, and by people, I don't just mean humans, obviously. I mean all of the other individuals out there um, who have a perspective, who can offer some information about how things work and what things look like, um, even if it's just a mirror. Um, your mirror image is, you know, in a way, it's another person. It's offering you some information about reality that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, so I came up with these these different, um, and if you've been listening to me for a while or looked at my stuff, you'll know that I have uh, the, the stages of learning, which are also the stages of grief, and they... Um, correlate with personality and fight flight freeze and flow and all of this stuff um, but I came up with a, a different way of describing it which was which is fairly basic um, and I've used this before in a similar way but I've broken it down at a little a little differently this time and I uh, thought I'd offer it here because I was already going to be talking about this topic and uh, and then in response to the thing yesterday I was like hey that fits in really nicely I'll, I'll add it and and it can be more of a central thing than me just kind of rambling on about who haven't you asked. Um, this is a little bit more specific that we can say who haven't you asked uh, or what kinds of perspectives have you not looked for. And so I'm going to break these down. And of course, you yourself may be able to offer all of these perspectives within your brain because your brain has multiple different functionalities in it. So you may be able to offer these perspectives um, just by asking yourself these questions. You may be able to access information that you hadn't accessed before because you weren't looking for it in that specific way. Or you may need to ask somebody else who's really good at answering, at asking these kinds of questions. Um, so. I'll go through them really quickly and then I'll go through them um, more in depth. Um, 
I've broken it down into five stages, but it's a, a, a cycle. So it, the first stage and the last stage are essentially the same, but on a, a second, another dimension. So we've we've gone in a circle, but we've gone in a in a sort of corkscrew shape, so that we've actually ended up um, doing a similar thing, but doing it more effectively at the end, so that we actually have more information by the time we get to the end of this. Um, in a similar way that when you when you uh, study something and then go study something else and then come back to the original thing or you read a book that you really liked and then you know go through your life and then go back to read the book a second time uh, having had all these new experiences you bring something else to it that you can get more out of it possibly because uh, you've learned something along the way okay so the five the five steps are um, what I'm calling negative physical, um, uh, and the question is what caused fill in the blank X what caused X to happen? Um, then there's emotional, which is what do others think of my theory about what caused X? And then the intellectual is how does my theory fail to predict reality? Having tested it out a little bit, um, you know, used my theory to apply to something. How does the theory fail to predict reality? And then the philosophical step is what is reality now? Observation. What what is really happening? And then the what I'm calling the positive physical, which is the final stage that we revisited the first stage, um, which is how can we work with reality? How can we move forward and do something new? Okay, so I'm going to break these down um, a little bit more in detail. So the first, the, what I'm calling the negative physical or the past physical, um, which can also be the input stage, is what caused X, what caused something to happen. And that's, um, that's where, like, I just heard someone yelling. It sounded like a young person, a young lady maybe. Um, possibly a very small older lady I don't know <laughs> um, but it, it's I well there's my there's my what caused X I heard a noise and my brain immediately asked the question of what was that and because it was unexpected it was something new that doesn't usually happen around here it's a fairly quiet space um, and uh, so my brain went into the what was that and in the what was that question, there's the implied what caused it. Um, as in, initially identified that it was a noise and it was a loud noise, but then my brain started attaching things to it and saying, okay, the thing that made the noise was, and then started filling in the blanks of making up a theory that, well, it was probably a human, it was probably a younger female human, um, just from past experiences of what younger human female yelling sounds like when I'd seen it in person um, or been told about it or something or contextually could decide that from some other very obvious things. Um, so anyway, so I did the what caused that? What caused X? And then I came up with a theory. And then the next question would be 
what do others think of my theory? Which I'm actually putting out there right now, which is sort of amusing, although normally I wouldn't bother putting that out because this is a, a very small problem, which really my brain pretty much initially decided was not a problem. It had nothing relevant to do with me getting from point A to point B at this point or any other relevant point um, in my life. It's it's not useful information to me. It's low quality. I mean, it's not low quality information, but it's, it's, I don't know what the word would be. It's, it's just not relevant information to my needs at this point. But say it was, say, say there was something that I needed to, um, I needed to figure out what it was uh, because it was relevant to something. Okay, let's say that, um, let's say that I was a preschool teacher, um, which I have been, and I was doing something and I heard a yell like that. A similar yell to that. It sounded like a young person. Um, it, in this case, it didn't sound that young. It sounded, you know, older. But, um, Let's say in the example of when I was a preschool teacher, let's say I was working in a, a classroom and I heard, you know, someone yell like that. And then my brain would decide, first of all, what it was. It would say, what caused that? And I would, my brain would say, oh, it was a young person yelling. Um, and then I would come up with a theory about what caused that yelling? You know, why was the young person yelling? Were they yelling because they were upset? Were they yelling because they were happy? Were they yelling because they were shocked about something neither good nor bad, just something surprising to them? Um, my brain would sort of start categorizing that, that yell more carefully than what I did just now. Um, because as a teacher, I was in a situation where I was responsible for the kids around me and uh, making sure that they're okay and not dying or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I would have come up with a theory and then I would look out into the real world. I would start searching out into the real world and I would say, what do others think of my theory? And now maybe I would go over to the kid. Maybe I didn't see what happened, but I just heard the sound and I, it wasn't clear whether it was a Maybe it sounded like just a surprised sound, but I couldn't tell whether it was a positive surprise or a negative surprise or a neutral surprise. And, you know, it might be important if it was even a neutral surprise. There might be something important that, you know, maybe there was something there that, you know, just normally wasn't supposed to be there that, you know, might be important for me to take, me to be aware of um, as a teacher, whereas the kid didn't really care. It wasn't important to the kid, so maybe even if it was neutral, that I would need to know about it. So um, I might actually go over to the kid and say, what's up? Um, and I would be testing out my theory of, you know, whatever I had come up with, whatever my, my conclusion was um, that, oh, this was a surprised sound, um, let's say. I just tried to, you know, that that it wasn't a dangerous sound because that would be somewhat obvious, but that it was enough of an interesting sound that it didn't just, it sounded like I should check it out. So I would come over and test out my theory and say, so what's up? You sounded surprised. And, uh, and then I, hopefully I would get some useful information, a different perspective from that, that would, um, that would, add or subtract from my theory. 
and then after that, I would be asking myself, well, how does my theory fail to predict reality? You know, I went over to the kid and I had this theory that, oh, it was a surprise, I should check it out. And in some way I would be, and here is the, the more right or wrong elements of it, uh, but again, we're, it's better to talk about more useful or less useful. Um, or higher quality information versus lower quality information. There's no 100% right or 100% wrong. Um, it's just highly unlikely. Um, unless it's super, super, super simple. And in which case it's boring and we don't need to talk about it. Um, but so I would go over to the kid and I would find out what the surprise was. And my theory that I had been forming would have been not so accurate in some way. You know, the, the information that the, the other perspective that the kid was giving me would conflict with something that was in my head about what I had predicted had happened in the past. And so I would assess the new information based on that and be able to identify where, I'd, you know, where I'd made a mistake, uh, where I'd predicted something incorrectly that didn't turn out to be true. Let's say the kid um, was actually, you know, slightly hurt. Like maybe they had, maybe they were surprised and there was a spider and they fell backwards and, you know, gave themselves a little scratch. And they weren't too bothered by it, but, you know, maybe the scratch was something that I should look at. And so my, my failure predict to predict that something had actually gone wrong that needed my attention that was harmful as opposed to just something neutral that I just needed to notice. Um, you know, I would note that and I would have asked that question um, in my brain, you know, automatically. Uh, most of this stuff, most of this stuff happens automatically. But what I'm, why I'm going through this is to show you that when it doesn't happen automatically, we can intentionally, consciously try to help it happen. Um, so, okay, so we've tested, we've tested um, what the other individuals think of my theory and where my theory failed. And now I can reassess what is reality? What is now the case? What is the current situation? So the current situation, now that I have assessed it, talked to the child, made my predictions, seen where they failed, seen that I do actually need to pay attention to the kid, that the kid has gotten a scratch and I need to check it out. So now I check out the scratch. And that is the what is the reality. And this is a totally observant, pure information input. There, the other stages have been have had some element of information output, some, you know, exploration, some kind of, um, you know, processing of complexity and, and uh, uh, I guess, interacting. There's an interaction there, a, a back and forth between the reality and my prediction and reality and my prediction. And now, now at this level, this is the philosophical level, as I call it, of the what is reality is the pure input stage where we're just observing. There's no back and forth. There is just pure absorbent of reality. 
And once we get that, the final stage, the phys the, which is what I call the positive physical stage, um, where we revisit what caused X, but we revisit it in a outputty kind of way. We say, we now know what caused X, you know, to a reasonable amount, hopefully. And we now know that the kid was sh shocked by a spider, which wasn't actually harmful or anything in and of itself. Um, they were just surprised by it. And, but because they were surprised by it, they bumped the, themselves. They bumped themselves and got a little scratch. And now that I've assessed the scratch, I've gone in and I've looked at it, you know, in my fully observant, fully philosophical, you know, just total absorbent of information way with no back and forth. Um, I've gotten, come to the conclusion that um, the scratch does need a little bit of attention and that I should go get some, you know, wipes or something or get it a little piece of tissue with some water on it just to, to rinse it off um, because, you know, maybe there was a little bit of blood and I want to clean it off and make sure that there wasn't any dirt in there. Not too much dirt, anyway. So this is my, this is sort of the interact, the fully interactive stage where I've taken in all the information that I needed to take in. I've tested the theory out. I've come to a conclusion. I've, I've figured something out about reality and how what the goals are and how that I can interact with that reality in a useful way. So I've seen the reality and then I can say, how can I work with reality to get our needs met, um, to get to the goal that I wanted to go, which is to take care of the kids, to make sure the kids are okay and having fun and um, not hurting themselves or not getting too hurt. So I now can work with reality and then I can go out and I can say, okay, now let's see, there's some, probably some tissue paper, some toilet paper over there, you know, for blowing our nose or tissues or paper towels or something. And there's a little bit of water over there and I can get the water and wash the scratch off. And because the goal is to make sure that their bodies are okay. Um, so I can work with reality after having observed reality and now I can attain a goal that uh, I hadn't necessarily known before when I first heard the scream. I first heard the yell. I didn't know what the problem was. I didn't know. I mean, other than the general problem of how do I help these kids be healthy and have fun and, you know, have a good life and learn cool stuff and whatever. Uh, so in the general sense, I had a goal, but I didn't know how my goals would fit into this new information of the screen. So having gone through the whole process from the, the trying to figure, asking the problem, you know, what caused it to coming up with a theory and then saying, what do others think of the theory? How does my theory work, you know, in relation to others, interacting with others, um, not necessarily humans, but things outside in the real world, you know, putting my theory to the test, basically. Um, and then the intellectual, that was the emotional, and then the intellectual is how does my theory fail to predict reality? Um, and also, how does it succeed? You know, the, the, there's the corollary. I mean, obviously, um, one implies the other, or at least they're neutral parts, obviously, but, you know, 
when we're looking at the the successes and failures we're at this point we're emotionally we're emotionally interested in how things failed that's how our brains work we we notice the problems we notice the the, the complaints first um rather than this well it before when we when we say we've come up with a theory that's our positive emotional state and then the, the sort of negative emotional state is uh the intellectual part where we're like breaking that down and saying i just messed that whole thing up didn't i <laughs> i did it all wrong <laughs> Um, the um, the physical is what caused X. The emotional is what do others think of my theory, um, and that's where we're open to. We're we're outputting our own positive theory, and we're seeing what the negative responses are to that theory. Is what we're paying attention to, which is the intellectual part. Then comes in, which is the how does my theory fail to predict reality? So we're looking at the failures now. And then on the philosophical level, we've gone to what is reality. We've taken in all the information. Um, we're, we're trying to take in all of the information in its purest state um, so that we can see everything from our successes to our failures to the reality as it is right now um, so that we can further further plan for the final stage which is the positive physical which is where we've learned all of this stuff and how to incorporate it into uh coming up with doing something a solution this is the final solution being enacted of meeting our or taking our goals and then using the reality as it, it has been and is at this point and moving to the future to get to wherever we want to go so that is the whole process. And like I said, most of the time the brain does this automatically, unconsciously, or mostly unconsciously. Um, and it just, an answer just kind of pops up. There's um, the, the Blink uh, book by Malcolm Gladwell, the wonderful book that so many people just loved. Um, and he's such a good he's just such a good storyteller and, and researcher and sort of organizer of cultural information and putting it together in a way that, that just makes it a really meaningful story that you also really learn something from. Um, I mean, he's not for everyone, but I, many people find him very interesting. Um, so anyway, his book Blink was, was very much about, um, how, decisions are made in our brains without us being aware of them um, and there are other people who talk about this as well you know obviously the I think there's the thinking fast and slow guy is that Kahneman Teneman something like that Daniel something um, and and you know and lots of other uh, sort of pop culture psychologists and neuroscientists and things um, who talk about these the, the different ways of getting there of getting to a solution um and one of them of course being you know just the totally unconscious bottom up you know just there it is there's the solution okay i want to do this and you don't even necessarily have to realize that you you've come up with a solution you just do it sometimes fully unconsciously but then when you're having problems is when we want to start bringing in new perspectives that aren't that either we're not accessing in our brain 
but are in our brain. We're just not unconsciously accessing them. Um, or they're just not in our brain at all. We just don't have that perspective whatsoever. We've never had it. We've never been there. And so we just have no clue what it would be. Um, so when we consciously go through this list of trying to find this perspective, either by asking ourselves these questions or asking others these questions of what caused, what caused something, what do others think of the theory of what caused something, how does the theory fail to predict the reality? Where did it not work? Um, and then refining that whole process by actually just pure observation of just 100% connecting with the reality as it is. And then using all of that put together to come up with a new theory, a new what caused X except that instead of what caused it, we're going to say, what are we going to do to cause something new to happen? Causing Y, for example. We want something. We want to change something. Um, because our original goal was not to have X in the way. The, the X was a problem that we needed to find a solution to. So we're looking to how can we cause Y to happen instead of X? That's one way of thinking about it. That we're moving from a negative to a positive. A negative physical state to a positive physical state. Um, now, of course, this, this, can this actually process can work um, sort of in reverse, uh, which is what I just went through was kind of the stages of grief. And they're also the stages of learning, which is sort of a reverse of this because normally, like I was saying with the, the kid being surprised, you can be surprised in a negative way or in a positive way um, or in a neutral way. You, you can be surprised by some new piece of information that um, that isn't necessarily harmful to your situation that actually could help you. For example, um, let's say you're trying to get from point A to point B on a path and then suddenly in the middle of the path there is a water slide that will help you get there faster or you know a boat that will help you cross a river so that instead of uh, an obstacle there's a uh, something that can help you so something that you discover that's actually useful and but we still go through this weird process of making a theory and making a theory of what caused x um, or what is x and then questioning the theory, putting the putting the theory out into the world and asking what the rest of the world thinks of the theory in some way. Um, and then looking to see where your theory felt, like maybe you see this boat that's going to help you cross the river, but the, there's no one manning the boat and there aren't any oars. And, you know, it's like a little rowboat and you don't see a way to actually use the boat to get across the river because the water is running and the you know the river is flowing and if you just get in the boat without the paddles or without someone else you know being able to figure out how to I don't know do something else you know maybe there's a, a magic hidden paddle somewhere underneath the boat or something and you don't know it you know so your initial theory was oh great there's a boat and then you get there and your theory about how this boat is going to work is is not quite 
par. <laughs> and so you're testing the theory out and you see where it fails and then you assess, reassess the situation completely openly, just absorbing all the information to see what the current state of things is. And then you can find a way to use that information or discard it or whatever, move on to making something happen again. Uh, so you've basically gone full circle. Maybe you've just given up on the boat entirely and it's totally useless and now you still have to figure out how to get across the river. Uh, one way or another. Or there's someone who, you know, you can sit and wait and someone will show up and they can tell you where the oars are or they can say, oh, you know, I have this secret way of getting across the river. It turns out, you know, there's a, there's a little track underneath the boat and the boat is actually just attached to the track and it turns out you couldn't see that but you know it's actually like a mechanical boat that you know just goes back and forth uh, along a track some weird thing so you can you know you can take different strategies once you get to this this observing of reality state and then reassess things and go from there again um, so you can ask these questions to yourself you can ask these questions by from other people. You can go through the whole process with another individual with you and see what they come up with. So each of these stages, um, each of these kinds of parts of the process will offer you something different if you're being frustrated. And they will help you identify where you're frustrated maybe, or at least help you get over your frustration by giving you some new information, new way to answer the question, new way to find a solution, a new way to approach the problem. And because different parts of the brain are specialized for answering different kinds of questions, as well as different individuals have different strengths of their brains, um, you know, each individual brain is better or worse at um, different kinds of answering different kinds of questions or different situations that different individuals in give them different perspectives so that they can also answer questions differently you know depending on you know where they are and what information they have they can just answer a question differently than you can um, so the more people you ask, the more, and by people, again, I mean any individual that has something to share, whether it's, you know, a mirror reflection of you, or a book, or a tree, or another human being, or a cat, or a dog, or the wind, or whatever, computer, you know, anything that has information to share, that has a perspective, that has collected information from a specific perspective, you know, can help you out. And finding those individuals is a challenge in and of itself, of course. Finding, you know, what parts of your brain to talk to and finding what individuals out there in the you know, rest of the world to ask questions to is, is obviously a challenge. But the more you are aware of the kinds of questions that you need to ask, the, and the more aware you are of what kinds of perspectives individuals have that um, you do want conflicting perpendicular perspectives that don't agree because you're trying to get new information so you want the stuff that doesn't agree um, and of course that's separate from the quality of the information uh, which is hard to assess 
that's a that's a that's a totally different topic which you know um I'm not going to go into now but you know that's it's hard to assess what the quality of an information is just by like don't judge a book by its cover you know what's in, what the the information can be totally uh dis detached from the quality of something else about the thing that you're asking you know a computer can have a computer can look the same on the outside can be the same kind of computer and have very very different information in it because it depends on what's you know what its experience what it's gone through you know who's been using it and what they've been using it for and what they've saved on it and what they what programs they put on it so um, you know the quality of the information is not necessarily attached or correlated with in any real direct way with the quality of the, the thing itself you can have really high quality information in a crappy computer um, you know you could have a, a what was that the, the Mac Plus you know that little, the cute little rectangle cubicle thing that that had everything in one. It was a little shoebox with a screen on it. Um, it was adorable, and it was black and white. But you know, you could have you could have Einstein's, you know, papers of how he explained, you know, uh, relativity theory on there. You could have, you know, some memoirs of Douglas Adams on there, you know, that, that have never been seen before. So the information on something is, is not correlated necessarily with the, or the quality of the information is not necessarily correlated with the quality of the, the container or even the, or even the, um, the way the container shares the information. Um, so you could have, for example, you could have a, a very nonverbal autistic type of person who has fantastic ideas inside their heads, but has a hard time expressing them clearly. But the information that they have inside their heads may be fantastic. I mean, they, you know, may have solved, you know, some great mathematical problem or or seen something that no one else has seen before, but they have a hard time explaining it in a clear way that other people understand, other humans understand. So accessing the information sometimes is a challenge. But again, don't dismiss the quality of the information just because of the container or the way the container is interacting with you. Um, they're, all they're all mostly unrelated. You can have high quality containers and low quality information and low quality communication and high quality communication and local, you know, it's all unrelated, basically. Um, so, who haven't you asked? Think about the biggest problems you've had in your life and think about what kinds of questions, you know, what parts of your brain have you not asked by using these different questions. Um, and then think about if your brain isn't coming up with the best information and you're still not solving the problem, think about what other individuals out in the world um, can you ask these questions to and see how useful their solutions are to you, see how useful their answers are in your overall goals of getting from point A to point B. And I will put this, I will put the, uh, the questions. I've also, 
I've actually already put these on my Twitter in response to uh, in response to the talk yesterday. So they're already up on my Twitter. If you are following me on Twitter, you might have seen them already. Um, but I'll also put them on my blog, which is where this uh, podcast is host hosted. And um, that's at you can access the blog at turl t u r i l dot o r g turl dot org um, is the address that can get you to my WordPress blog. Um, and you can also I'll probably put these on my Reddit um, community, the Holistic Enchilada Reddit. So if you go to uh, www.reddit.com slash r slash holistic with an h I mean with a wh so it's w-h-o-l-i-s-t-i-c enchilada e-n-c-h-i-a-l-a-d-a <laughs> did I just spell it wrong um, and it's holistic but as in whole a whole thing a whole pile of things the whole world whole holistic enchilada on Reddit, and you can also find me just on Reddit of me as I'm user Turl, T-U-R-I-L. Um, and you can also just email me at thewiseturtle at gmail.com if you just want to chat with me um, on a, in a sort of one-to-one level. So anyway, I would love to hear from you if you have any thoughts on this matter. Um, I'm, I guess that was that would be the emotional. I'm putting my ideas out there and seeing what you think of them. Uh, question there. Uh, although doing this whole process it allows me to reflect on my own theories. So I'm also asking myself, what do I think of these ideas? Uh, which is a big part of why I make these podcasts. Um, I mean, yes, they're very much for you, the listener. Um, and for future generations who might happen to stumble upon this, uh, not necessarily future generations, but future individuals who have never been here before, but stumble on it, you know, five to ten years in the future, and uh, maybe find something useful out of it. Um, but on a large part, it's also just for me to sort of clarify my ideas so that future me can be even clearer when I'm offering ideas. Uh, so this sort of helps me. This is kind of a, it's a bit of a rehearsal, I guess. It's a rough draft, but it's not as rough as some of my other places. My um, my Reddit, Holistic Enchilada, and I also have a Discord, um, which I don't have an easy way of inviting people to, um, except through a link, because it's just a, there isn't a nice word for my Discord. There's no way to find it. Uh, because Discord is weird in... They don't actually want you to find Discords. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very closed kind of approach. It's just not something I'm fond of. Um, but I got using Discord for somebody else and uh, ended up sticking around just because there were people there I knew. and It's, it's somewhat useful for discussing things in a different way than Reddit is a little more personal I guess um, but I'll link to that in my on my blog so if you do want to find the discord or if you want to find any of the links that I talk about um, or just some background information I usually put up a few relevant links um, on the blog post for these podcasts so if you just go to the turl.org 
uh, bug, you can usually find the podcast entry for that and look for links there in the Discord for this one, at least I'll put the Discord in. Um, so anyway, so let me know if you have any thoughts and otherwise continue asking questions of everyone who seems like they might have an interesting perspective on the problems that you have in your life that you're trying to solve. Okay, I will leave you with that and wish you much diversity in finding perspectives to answer your biggest questions and problems in life. Namaste!